Hello and welcome back to Cultural Juice after a slight hiatus, but we're here again. Back with a vengeance. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we never go away. <laughs> We've got plenty of great things to um, broadcast to you about today. Three films, in fact. We're going to kick off with It Chapter 2. Yeah, the um, eagerly awaited uh, sequel. Yeah, absolutely. Then we're moving on to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest Tarantino movie. And then we're going to finish off with Ad Astra, which is, of course is uh, in the box office at the moment doing pretty well. A good but, lineup overall, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. But first, we're going to kick off with what's the silliest thing that's happened to you recently. Right, okay. So yesterday, I went to see Ad Astra. In the cinema I go to, if you spend over, uh, I think it's £5, when you park your car, you don't have to pay for parking. So all you have to do is um, put your registration number mm. into a little machine once you go in somewhere. And then you don't have to pay for a parking ticket, you can just drive out at the end. Mm. I've been going to the cinema for ages now, I just mm. do it without thinking. So yesterday afternoon, I watched the film, went back to the car. Car park was quite busy, it was a bit of a queue to get to the gate. As I was driving up, I waited for about 10 minutes to get to the gate. And then as I got to the gate, it didn't rise. So it occurred to me that I hadn't entered my registration uh-huh. this time. So I had to put my hazard lights on first of all. <laughs> <laughs> because the the car behind didn't realise what was happening. Then a row of about 15, 20 cars all had to sort of backpedal <laughs> so that I could reverse out oh, and then God. go and And then I had to pay for the parking on top of that. Oh, no, ouch. Yeah, I was having a good Sunday until then. But yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's embarrassing. Shame that something like that ruins things. I remember <laughs> like once, not so very long ago, my parents were always very kind of when they were giving me a lift they wouldn't just drop me off 500 yards away or something they would insist on like literally taking me up taking like, where I door. had to be yeah. and so one time they went into this Waitrose car park I said dad just drop me here it's fine but they said no no I'll take you up so they did that he dropped me off and then he realised he had to pay about £4 to get back <laughs> out of the damn thing <laughs> I bet he was pleased about that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is I insisted don't do this don't yeah. do it but you know that's what parents are like uh, they know. just won't listen will they yeah, yeah. exactly Okay, have you got a silly story to share this week? Yeah, it's sillier rather than stupid or anything. I got a bit bored the other day, mm-hmm. and I ran a Twitter poll for the first time ever. I think I know this poll. Oh, oh you've, you've seen it. Did you vote on it? I voted for this poll. Yeah. Okay, what did you vote for? Uh, the outcome that happened. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've now set up a spoof Twitter account. I gave people several options, whether I could be like a sort of rabid Remainer or a ardent Lever. But Corbynista. The, yes. The result that came out on top was Boris Johnson enthusiast. <laughs> so, <laughs> Inevitably. So I've now set up an account called Boris Fan Number 1, and the address is Boris for World King. That's four, as in the number, if you want to follow. How, uh, how are things going so far? It's actually going really well. <laughs> well, not in terms of followers yet, but I think it, I think it will increase, because the, the hits I'm getting on it are quite good. Persistence is key with that that kind of yeah yeah it just amazes me like how many stupid things there are actually to say and the the things you find yeah just sort of out there 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 was one like really embarrassing thing where you know judge rinder oh yeah yeah. and he has his own show and he invited like the johnson family like minus boris they were invited on the show to talk about well i don't know life or whatever they're they're up to these days and stanley johnson who's the dad Mm -hmm. was saying like how i wish i'd changed my name to mustafar or something so i'll get on like the a-list of tory candidates oh. <laughs> you could hear a pin Tumbleweed. drop like, yeah, yeah absolutely shall we uh, yeah, let's move segue seamless, seamlessly <laughs> into our first film it yes so chapter the, two one of the many blockbusters of the the moment it chapter two the sequel to the most successful horror film of all time I, as i understand it, it really in, ter- in terms of money made yeah it? 
Yeah, so It Chapter 2 is the continuation of the story of the seven kids from the first movie and their encounters with the... I'm not even sure what you call this entity other than It. Is it an alien or is it just some kind of... I think that's one of the things I was kind of disappointed about, actually, in in this film, was that it wasn't explored more what... What, what he, he what, actually is. What he is, yes. yeah. I can't remember exactly the details of the first film, but some of his disguises seemed a lot more elaborate this time around. He was a, yeah. he was a huge spider at one point. Yeah. So is he just, you know, is he a shape well, yeah, He I, assumes It seems like he can fears. take on the form of anything that he wants to, but he chooses to pick things that people will be the most yeah. scared of. So it's, yeah. like he has, it's like he can sense what they will yeah. react fearfully to. I think the, the idea is that... Fear is like a seasoning, so it's like they taste better. And he thrives on their fear. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, And that seems to be what this this beast is all about. Uh, So uh, 27 years after the... The gang first defeated it. It, <laughs> yeah. Um, it is now at back large. And, yeah. So it lies dormant for about twenty-seven years, and then suddenly it just sort of springs out of yeah. nothing uh, again, back to to terrorise the neighbourhood. And uh, the gang get back together mm-hmm. after all this time to uh, defeat it. Yes. One of them has lived there all his life. His right? name's Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike yeah. is the guy who's lived there for his whole life and hasn't moved away. Everyone else has moved away, and their memories are kind of hazy about what has been yeah. going on. And then when they come back to the town, their memories start coming back to them and yeah. they start to get stronger. Yeah. So, did you, Matt, enjoy it? Well, I think I'm going to be saying this quite a lot today. I did and I didn't. It wasn't quite what I was hoping it would be. It was, I think, in several parts, pretty scary. And there was nothing about it that I thought, this is bad. But then you look at the, the runtime, over two and a half hours. Yeah. And it's almost like too much of a good thing. There was so much in there, and I'm not convinced it all needed, needed to, be to, to be there. Yeah. E- exactly. Uh, and I think I think people have said it's a bit flabby, yeah. which I, I, I agree with. It's like there's so much that if it was a bit leaner, it would actually make it a better film. So yeah. even, there's, there's like a ton of backstory for all the characters, yeah. which I think is actually largely unnecessary. I don't think, for instance, you need to know what they were actually doing with the rest of their lives. I mean, the, the sort of the first half an hour of the movie is what they've been up to since they've grown up. And I, I actually think it's completely unnecessary. Maybe for like the extended version. You said there is an extended version. There's an, another hour long. Yeah, yeah. So the original cut of this movie is about four hours long. That's what I hear. From what I understand, it will be released at some point. I will not be watching it. No, I, no. I'm, not, I'm not going to. The last thing that. I needed when you know when when I left the cinema, another hour of that, you know, <laughs> yeah. just to, to fill in the blanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Less is more sometimes, I think. Yeah. One of his problems was that it almost tried to justify needing all of the characters back there. Yeah. It tied itself in knots trying to sort of justify them all being there. They had to go back to the town. They all had to be together, but then when when they were in the town, they were all apart. Yes. And they, I know. they all went on their separate adventures. And, and you think, why are they... This is one of the things that we were talking about this earlier about converting the book into a film yeah. and it being, in some respects, an unfilmable book. Yeah. And I think... The, the trouble is, is that each of the characters has to have their own journey represented because otherwise why have the seven? There were too many strands. But yeah, but yeah that, that's what I mean. There are, there are actually six in this movie for reasons yeah. we maybe, may not go into. Yeah. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they all have to be represented. So Penny, Pennywise has to scare each one of them individually and not all of those were worth it, I think. They Some were, of them felt like rehashes. Of, they essentially relived the, the scenes from the first film. Yeah. And that kind of felt like a Padding retread of yeah. Yeah, what, what we've already seen. What worked best about the first film, or one of the things that worked best, was the group dynamic and that they had that sort of 
Stranger Things like sort of camaraderie with each other. Yes, yeah. And that worked really well. I didn't really feel like that. I didn't, they didn't, didn't feel like a group this time around, even though they they were all there. I don't think there are many scenes where they're all in the same room until the end. Yeah. So you, so you've got, for example, there's there's a bit where they all they all have to go find like pieces of their past lives. Yeah. So for example, that's like, the bit I didn't. I thought that was too episodic and sort of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think rambly. that's that's one of the big points where it falls down actually, because in the book it would be absolutely fine yeah. I think but on the films so in the trailer for example you have the bit where Jessica Chastain goes to her, her old house and she rediscovers is it the poem that she finds in her house yeah I think so it's a notebook of some yeah, sort yeah it? and it is quite a sinister piece but also the problem is is that I never at any point thought that Jessica Chastain was in any danger no at, at all no. I thought the, the only attitude I had to that scene was how is she going to get out of this yeah not is she in any danger? And and I think that was one of the real yeah. problems because if it isn't going to eat you, yeah. if, if he's not going to kill you, then he actually doesn't have any yeah. hold over you. I mean, that that is one of the mysteries I think about of it actually is that he spends an awful lot of time hanging around and not actually doing anything. There are, there are an awful lot of scenes where the body count is like zero. Is it, I think it's a fifteen. Do you think they wanted to keep it a, a, as a fifteen? Mm, maybe. I mean, I mean, they, they they all definitely get away anyway, don't they? I mean, it's all written that these these characters escape. Mm. I mean, the, the the people who get killed by and large are the incidental characters. So there's quite a big bit at the start when you have like a gay couple who uh, are sort of victimised and then it savages one of them. Yeah. But he also does it, another point, so a, a child kind of goes he, under the sort of the rafters of a baseball stadium yeah, or something. Yeah. And he had the scene in the Hall of Mirrors as well. But I actually think the director should have cut a lot of that out, maybe moved things around. I think you only needed one of those yeah. things where a kid is being preyed on. And, and I think it would have been better to have the kid rather than the couple, actually. Yeah. You only need one of those moments to signify that it is back and, and in business again. I think it would have been a lot sharper. You know, you could have done it in two hours rather than three. Yeah. I think it's nearly three hours long. Yeah. I found it quite sort of strange that the resolution that we eventually reach after three hours is the one that the characters reached 27 years ago. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same answer to, yes, to yes, defeat it. Don't so, be afraid. Yeah. yeah and so why didn't they do that sooner rather than, you know? I know. I think they've assume they had at the end of movie one. I mean, maybe that's another dynamic as to why it's not quite as scary as, as it could be, or certainly as scary as the first one, because they do, in their hearts, know how to defeat it. And I think, actually, so, so you've got James McAvoy, for example. He's another one who I never thought was in any danger at all because he's the least scared of it, of, of all of them. I mean, there's one point, actually, when he's in the House of Mirrors and he's trying to save that boy. Yeah. And he says, you, you know, take me instead. Yeah. That's sort of ironically the point where he's actually the most invulnerable he could be. Yeah. Because he's literally not afraid at all. I think a cynical part of me as well thought, you know, you don't pay McAvoy's wages and then kill him halfway through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. Chastain um, as well. You, she's not going to be killed off after ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. There were only two who I ever thought were in any danger. So, yeah. So we're going to we're going to discount Stan. Yeah. Who who is not a big feature of, of the film. So Eddie is the much more interesting one because it feels like it is going to try and pick them off one by one. Yeah. And there's a scene where Eddie goes to find that piece of himself that the others are all doing. Yeah. And he sees his mother downstairs in the basement. Yeah, yeah. Eddie is probably the only character who I, who I generally thought, oh my God, he is going to die right now. You know, stop being scared, you please. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. one of the scariest scenes, I think. Yeah, film, I, I think it? for me that is the, the scariest yeah. moment in it because he, he just can't control himself and he knows that he has to not be fearful, but he just can't, or, or it seems yeah. at least 
like he can't control himself. You know, I thought that was one of the the, the highlights of the film. I, f- I felt a sort of sense of déjà vu towards the end. Mm. You know, when they went into the house, and it felt almost like a replica of the first films ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you think they extent. needed like all that stuff in the house? I mean, I thought there were a couple of good scenes in the house, like particularly the bit where Pennywise is in the mirror. I thought so, that was good. Yeah, some of it was good. Some of it was just. You know when they they had the three doors again, which yeah. they took from the f- first film. That felt a bit silly. The first time around, it was sort of sinister and playful. Yeah, and now I, this I, I time around, yeah, I, I thought it was really good the first time. Yeah, well. but I think yeah, second time around, it was like, well, you've done this, like, it, yeah, it's, it's un- unnecessary and not. It's running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I suppose they must have done it in the in the book as well. Yeah, maybe. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know how. I'm guessing it's quite close to the book I don't know from what reviews are saying it's very very faithful to the book which in some respects is great I really admire that but I think maybe you needed to save that for the director's cut and be more selective about what you put in yeah, yeah. it doesn't truly need yeah. to, to, to be there I think they could have just started off pretty much in the restaurant so you know you could have seen like a kid get obliterated yeah uh, and, and then they could just start in the restaurant like why are we here you don't need to see all, there's a all lot, their lives. There's a lot of sort of telling rather than uh, showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so sorry, um, yeah. I, f- I thought all of the flashbacks could have been done away with. Well, and well, that could have been suggested at rather than shown. Well, well, you know the bit with Jessica Chastain, for instance? Yeah. She, and she's in that um, abusive relationship. Yeah. Apparently in the book and in the cut scenes, her husband comes looking for her. And, right. you know, he's actually like a, a real part of the story. Yeah, because that was kind of... You just forget about it after the yeah. start of the film, don't you? Mm. Yeah. But that that is an actual plot point. Yeah. Whereas in the film, it's very much just backstory, and it's not quite clear why it's so. Why it's really there. It'll be more clear in the in the four hour version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you if you can bother it. I just felt felt it was a lot less subtle overall this time than the first film, which I didn't think was possible when I watched the you know, when I saw the first film. But I thought everything was sort of slightly exaggerated and a bit cheesier than the first. Yeah. It felt more like a B movie with a, right. an A movie budget. Yes. The scene that comes to mind, especially when you say that, is the bit with Bill Hader and he's got that big woodcutter. Oh, like, yeah. You, that, that's a very B-movie scene, I think. Yeah. What, what sort of scare worked best for you, then? Uh, probably the one you, you, you mentioned with Eddie. The, yeah. Um, when he goes into that cellar. And partly it was because remembering that cellar from the first film filled me with a sort of immediate dread. And I yeah. thought, oh, God, this is going to be bad. And it was always scariest before the monster was revealed, I think, mm. that that scene yeah I think yeah, once totally. the fear goes away when the, the monster comes out in that yeah because so, you think I, I don't think I he's going to die I think, I think that's true of a lot of films actually yeah like Pennywise I think in general is scarier the less of you, you see of him yeah did at any point during the last sort of half an hour did you think that they they wouldn't defeat it <laughs> it's never, never it's, it's never in doubt is it I think no. that this film felt sort of inevitable for me almost yeah so it's just sort of like formulaic or, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe if they'd taken a more indirect route yeah. to do it so, too long, I think. Yeah, I think so. So far, we've been mostly critical of the film. It's not, it's not a terrible film. This is the thing, isn't it? Because I think there's there's many moments in it which are really good. I think There's like, a better film hiding in there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. It's like the, the, the House of Mirrors thing, I think, is actually absolutely excellent. Yeah. And yes, it feels like it, it doesn't necessarily need to be in this movie. It could yeah. be in like yeah. several other movies that, where it would feel more in, in place. Yeah. I still think um, Skarsgård is really good as Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he's scene stealer, definitely. Still the best thing about the film. Mm. He works. He does work better when there's less of him. When he's morphing into these sort of flamboyant yeah. creatures, I don't find him as scary as when he's underneath the the seats of the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, biding his time. Yeah. Well, one one thing I want to just sort of get in. You know the the ending where um, they get that letter. Yeah. I kind of felt that was an ending that would have 
been like seen as perfect in the 1980s and now i think like the way that sort of the conversation is changing generally I, now i think it looks a bit off yeah it, it, it looks sort of not in keeping with the times if you, if you see what i mean yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've I've got mixed feelings about the ending. I don't mm. know. It felt a bit felt overly like, sentimental, and it, and it also it felt to me like, like by that point that this was going like way over. Yeah, the, the time. Yeah. like it, it's not a quick ending at all. That was go. the point where I was sort of checking my watch and thinking, yeah. you know, this is this can't be gone on for much longer. Mm. Surely, yeah, I was disappointed by it. Yeah, well, I feel like I wasn't majorly disappointed. I was just like a bit disappointed. Yeah, like there, there was there were several things that really like got to me about it. I still enjoyed it, but God, I hope he doesn't come back in another 27 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, no, it chapter three. Yeah. Mm. I think we've reached the end of the book now, haven't we? Yes, yeah, there's, so, there's no more of the book. Hopefully. Well, I mean, they've, they've talked about, like, they think the character itself, there's potential for so much more. Oh. But, I don't know, it would have to be something very different, I think. Yeah. So, I do like the character. I think it's a great, yeah. absolutely brilliant creation. But um, would I want... You know, would I be up for another three hours of, of yeah. it? No, I wouldn't. I don't want to watch, you know, Pennywise the origin story <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. I you see. I I reckon that's on the cards. You know, <laughs> it's got to be, I isn't it? Do, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, oh well, yeah. So, what would you give it? Uh, uh, balloons. Would, yeah, balloons. Is balloons perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would you say? So, out of ten balloons. Yeah. I'm gonna give it six balloons. Okay, that's uh, yeah, yeah, quite low. Quite quite low. Yeah. I would have given the first one nine balloons, but I think I would give this seven. I still think it's, like, in many respects, a decent movie and has a lot of redeeming features, but I think as a whole it's actually not very satisfying. I think we did do the first It on the podcast, and I think you gave it nine balloons. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I I do feel like, I do love the first one. Yeah. But I think it's just, you you know, replicating the magic from from last time, I think, is quite... Diminishing returns this time around. Yeah, I I think you're right, yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on now to uh, the second of our three films this week, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth Tarantino movie. Yeah, penultimate, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Is that absolutely official, or is that just he's, sort of... I think he's quite evasive about it. I mm. think his plan is to sort of... He said he was going to make ten films mm. and then sort of call it a day and write novels instead. Uh-huh. Oh, novels. That'll yeah. Yeah. Well, I want. I mean, I, I expect he won't retire from the film business entirely. I expect he'll be on other movies, like a consulting director or something. You get the sense that he loves it too much to be yeah. away for too long. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, so this is another uh, lengthy film. Almost as lengthy as it, too, but not quite, I think. Yeah, Slightly and, yet, shorter. and yet it feels very different, I think. I, I didn't get the same feeling that I'd been in a, in a three-hour movie it, at it, all. It, it moves quickly, this one, I think. Yeah. I think it's a much better film than it, too. I think it's probably my favourite Tarantino film for a while, actually. Previous one, so uh, Hateful Eight, Django Unchained, and Inglorious Bastards. Mm. I think it's better than all yes, three of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's probably fair. Probably the best yeah. one he's made since the Kill Bill films. Mm. I think. So Leonardo DiCaprio plays a sort of ageing B-movie star Yes. Uh, called Rick that's Dalton. Yeah. Yes. And he is accompanied uh, almost everywhere by but, his <laughs> friend and sort of gopher, yes. uh, Cliff uh, Booth, man. who's Brad Pitt. For the for the first two hours, it's kind of a shaggy dog story. There's not there's yeah. not much plot as such. See, yeah. Well, this this is what I kind of I mean, from what I understand, Quentin Tarantino worked back from the ending, so a lot of it is kind of meanders together. It does quite a good job, I think, actually, of tying up the threads towards the yeah. end. Yeah, but but I kind of think it has that sort of feel about it because as we we're saying, he may retire. Yeah. At some point soon, it feels like there's a few ideas just sort of thrown in there that he he knows he won't use in another movie. 
Yeah. And so he decided, well, we'll just put that in. Yeah. That, that, that's just what I got a feel of. Like, I know that he's, in his last couple of films, the kind of odds to Westerns as well, because he loves Westerns. Yeah. And I think this one in particular as well, you know, it's very sort of... Very influenced. By yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And he, he wants to make these sort of big, expansive films. It, it really did, I think, capture the feel of that kind of era like you always felt like it was very kind of authentic to it's how you imagine it to be i think yeah yeah um it, i felt like i was kind of there for the ride rather than there being a specific story yeah to... i quite like that though it's quite, kind yeah of exhilarating. I, I did like it and, and i i wonder in a way if there's going to be a market for that kind of film in the future you, you know films where perhaps not a lot actually does happen but you know you it, it, it's all about experiencing the moment it's about immersing yourself in the in the time period not specifically about one individual story but just about kind of yeah. getting a flavor of i can't really think of any other directors apart from tarantino who make films this kind of exuberant yeah. you know it's kind of you, you you're fully aware straight away that you're watching a tarantino film i think yeah although not many directors get the space to be fair no, to do that no from what I understand, so this is his first film away from the Weinstein Company for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, if he'd and, stuck with them, it would have been... <laughs> yeah, and, and from what I understand, like Sony, who I think it is who yeah. released, they were absolutely desperate to have him. So he can pretty much name Do, his price. Yeah, So that kind of shows, I suppose, in the cast as well, that he can kind of attract. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, you, you have to work with Tarantino, don't you? Everyone wants to. He tends to have a sort of uh, recurring cast of actors as well that he uses. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, they, they must know each other pretty well. Like, after Apparently, while. Um, Margot Robbie approached him about being in the film. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, actually. Yeah, I suppose everyone's sort of desperate to work with him. You know, it's but then such I a think, big profile boost. I think Margot Robbie, like, almost everyone's desperate to work with her as well. I yeah, she, yeah. Uh, she's not struggling. I'm sure there are a, lo- a lot of other actresses who are approaching yeah. Tarantino for work and not get an email back. Yeah. yeah, so Rick Dalton, his star is on the fade, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, so he, he still wants to be a star, but he's getting... He's playing the villains a lot, isn't he? Yeah, and, and there's a suggestion that he needs to start doing spaghetti westerns to make a bit of money. Uh, the uh, suggestion made by Al Pacino, his agent. It's quite a hard film to summarize. The plot itself it's, is it's very really difficult. It's really hard to, to... Yeah, to pin down, isn't it? So, I mean, that's why I say it feels like kind of you're just sort of there for the experience. Uh, f- from what I gather, really, like the point of this movie is, yeah, so spoiler alert, if Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth had existed, Sharon Tate would not have died. <gasps> um, I, that, that, it, that seems to be the literal point. I actually wonder whether, if you watched it again whether it would actually be as good yeah. as, as it was the first time. Because watching a lot of those um, scenes with Margot Robbie in as Sharon Tate, they're, they're often very simple scenes. There's not a lot going in them. So, she, for example, she goes like to see herself in, in one of the, the films that Sharon Tate... Her presence is more sort of symbolic. Yeah, isn't it? She's, exactly. She's like, not in the film that often. Yeah, you catch a glimpse of her and, you know, she... There's a little bit about it. But I always felt like watching it, you know, she is going to be massacred fairly soon you feel like there's I mean, a build up to her murder yeah I, you know yeah. it feels like every, everything she's doing it's kind of like a little delicate thing to make you think oh no please don't, don't die ki- don't yeah. kill her yeah yes yeah, I, I see it as sort of a like a violent sort of fairy tale yes yeah, based on real events i guess yeah with a different ending mm. quite quite a gruesome ending though yeah i think yeah, it's fair there, to say yeah. um I may have spoiled a little bit about it already, but I mean, the, the ending was not, I was not expecting <laughs> yeah. quite what happened there. So I don't you, think you, you, you could see that. Could you? I think the dread built with the film, though, because I thought, God, this is quite gore free for a Tarantino film. Mm. 
all the way through and thought, this, you know, there's not a lot happening. So I thought, right, the longer this is going on, the worse it's going to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. And it is horrific. Yeah. yeah it's it, good it, really yeah. It's horrific. Mm. There's a scene where um, Brad Pitt goes to the, the Manson family ranch. Ranch, yeah. And th- there's a bit where he asks to see probably George. My, probably my favourite bit of the film this yeah, as well. That I thought was really scary. I thought yeah. Brad Pitt was going to get murdered. But what it is, it's literally just him going to the back of the, the ha- like asking to go... To see his old friend. Yeah, to see his friend who lives in this house. Yeah. But it's so intense that it, I, I just thought he was going to be, you know, taken yeah. apart. You think um, you think you know what's what's in this house, and then he's in the house, and you're thinking what's in the back room. Yeah, I think as with it, it's the idea of it, what's going to be there that's almost worse than what's you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because really, I mean, that sequence was actually very minor, yeah. really. Yeah. But you know, you know, the the build up and the yeah, the intensity of it, it just reconfigures the whole thing. You know, yeah. Your, your perceptions are just sort of on height. The whole thing. The innocence of the film goes after that, doesn't it? Yeah, Completely. definitely. Um, I think we should talk more about Brad Pitt's character. Okay. So he is uh, Rick's stunt gopher man. best friend, yeah. stuntman. Yeah. So Rick lives in a in a house in Beverly Hills. Yes. So he uh, he lives next door to Sharon Tate and Polanski. Yes. Yeah. And then Cliff goes back to a, a caravan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's living in sort of poverty almost yeah. uh, with his dog. And uh, it sounds like. The, his backstory is that he sort of murdered his wife but sort of covered it up as an accident. Is that, is that what I'm... Yeah, and that that's not revealed until you've kind of warmed the cliff either, <laughs> yeah. is it? Because that, yeah. he, he seems quite aloof and sort of carefree and quite likeable yeah. until that point and then that sort of casts doubt, doubts over your uh, Yeah, and you get all these suggestions impressions like, of so directors won't work with him and yeah. you know, you know they're repulsed by the idea of him being on set yeah. and everything. Which leads to a showdown with Bruce Lee, <laughs> yeah. which uh, I find it... It's a very funny scene, <laughs> but it's also incredibly sort of... It's a pot shot at Bruce Lee as well, I yeah, think, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bizarre... I don't uh, think, it doesn't bring much to the the film, the story itself, does no, it? No, but apparently it was based on like this Batman film. This is what right. I, I understand. I may be wrong about this. Uh, apparently it was supposed to be like a scene where Bruce Lee fought Robin. <laughs> right, okay. And originally, as I gather, Robin was supposed to beat him. Right, and then they they turned it into a draw because Bruce Lee said no. Yeah, uh, and I think it, I, I'm not sure if it ever got made, but it was a homage to that. That that was what was yeah. going on. But I think the, the only point of it is to show that Brad Pitt is like a tough guy. He's quite unhinged, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, and, and you know he he won't. You know, yeah, he, he can throw Bruce Lee into a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a very funny scene as well. I think. Yeah. So, so some other famous characters from real life pop up in the film. Mm. And the clunkiest one, I think, is uh, Steve McQueen, played by <laughs> Damien Lewis. Uh, so they're at the pool party. It is. It does not need to be in the film. <laughs> he, he's sort of explaining the situation with how... Sharon Tate came to be with Polanski mm-hmm. and how she left. Sorry, yeah. I, do th- I think I might have just not even taken yeah. that in, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not keen on Damien's McQueen, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it does feel like it's a bit of a soup sometimes, and he's just sort of like throwing in bits and pieces and yeah. seeing what, what people like and what people do. Yeah. It's just a film built for his own taste, isn't it? I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. I, I get that. He can, you know, as long as he makes a Tarantino movie, like yeah. a classic Tarantino movie, then I think he can kind of get away with quite a lot. I don't want to go into too much detail of the plot because there's just so much of it. I don't really know where to. Yeah, how much but, do you but, say? That, that, that's the thing. Is there even the plot? Like, like this, this, this is the, yeah. the the debate. There is a sort of Tarantino universe, isn't there? Apparently, they're all kind of set in the same uh, universe. So the same one 
Pulp Fiction or whatever. Yeah, is, so. and that, but that's the same universe as in Glorious yeah. Bastards. And it is a sort of heightened reality. It's not reality. Yeah, yeah. Is it? it's, it's it's film world. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It felt to me like a tribute to all of his passions in a way, like westerns and mm. old films. And you get sequences from old TV shows that are used in the as actual yeah. TV footage. So shall we talk about the ending then? Because it's not what you would expect. Well, yeah, I think we kind of have to, don't we? Without necessarily giving uh, too much away. It's very sort of chaotic by the time it gets to the end. That it's an excellent is, ending. Yes. And it's oddly sort of a beat for a Tarantino film as well. Yeah. In a strange sort of way, <laughs> even though all this happens. Well, I suppose, yeah, it's like only really the bad guys meet their... Yeah, their, which doesn't happen very end. often. Yeah. There's still some ambiguity about whether Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth are nice guys. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, like Game of Thrones, you know, there aren't very many nice people, yeah, genuinely nice no, people in... Uh, yeah, not too many noble souls. <laughs> probably the nicest is the the young girl who Rick Dalton works with on the on the Western. Yes. Uh, this sort of precocious I, I, sort of child actress. I think those things were, yeah, really uh, interesting, actually. That she's a really good character. It yeah. shows that he can do sort of humane characters as well. It doesn't have yeah, to be Yeah, well, the, the, the spark they have yeah. is, is very, very authentic. Quite um, moving when they're both reading books, aren't they? Rick's reading a book about a, I think it's a, a cowboy who sort of passed his best and then he gets very upset while he's reading it. Yeah. And it obviously correlates with his own life. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was really moving. And she, she sort of takes pity on him. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Happening, which I think... It's almost like she's the adult in that situation <laughs> yeah, exactly. and he's the uh, the child. Mm. Yeah. It is, it is actually quite nice to see Rick sort of take a bit of control of his career as well. Yeah. You, you know, um, start to do well in these westerns and, and, and seeing him getting really angry with himself that he can't remember the lines like he used to and, and recover yeah. his you know, stop drinking quite so much for one thing. It's, it's um, a good film about sort of getting older, I suppose, and being past your best as well, and sort yeah. of letting go. Do you think there's an element of sort of metaphor there with Tarantino sort of edging out the films? Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's quite a nice uh, yeah. way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's about a fading star, I guess, yeah. in a way, and kind of him having to adapt with the way his, you know, he's not going to be the, the leading man the way he once was, I yeah. guess. So yeah. it's kind of, yeah. That's true. Did you enjoy the film overall? Yeah, I did. Although, again, I, I do feel a bit in two minds about it. Like, it, it was very rambling. You, you know, yeah. there, there was plenty of stuff in there. And I'm not necessarily saying I would have cut stuff out of it in the way that I would have done with it. it. Yeah. yeah. But there's just an awful lot of stuff that is miscellaneous, I think, is probably yeah. the word. Like, um, Doesn't come to much. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can kind of see in some way how it all ties together. But to, to, so unlike it, it's not flabby exactly it's just a bit meandering and and there are there are a lot of points yeah. where you don't kind of quite know what, what quite, to expect next i quite like that though because it feels as if the characters have been given sort of room to breathe yeah in a way that you know you know they feel sort of very sort of fully realized i think yeah. cliff and rick dot because it, it's, it seems quite hammy to begin with you know it, mm. it seems a bit and i wasn't sure whether i would buy them as sort of two uh two friends yeah, yeah but i think the friendship does come through doesn't it it's yeah. quite touching at times mm. Should we give it a rating? Yeah, okay. How many flamethrowers would you give this film? <laughs> I don't know. I, I did kind of like the end, but also I think it, it did feel a bit like an anticlimax as well. Yeah. Sort of, sort of at the end when you sort of realise that's it. Yeah. Um, I feel that's a little bit... Do you feel a bit let down? It's a, yeah, that? it's a little bit flat, I think. Yeah. So I will... I'd probably give it seven and a half flamethrowers. Right, okay. Okay. I will give it eight and a half. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, our third and final film of the day is Ad Astra, which is uh, 
the second in our Brad Pitt double bill. Yeah, yeah. We need to think about our title for this, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so thoughts on, on Ad Astra then? Yeah, so this is a sci-fi film set in the in the near future, I think. Yeah, it or... feels like the near future, doesn't it? But then I think a lot of the equipment in it is actually very far advanced, I would say. Yeah. It, it certainly doesn't feel like we're going to be there anytime soon, does it? No, no, uh, if ever. Yeah. Yeah. So it begins with Brad Pitt, who's Roy so, McBride. Yeah. And he's an astronaut who's brought in to do a sort of secret or a special mission. Yeah, so, so the the idea is that he he's just works on one of these satellites or, or something, but the satellite gets affected by a sort of power surge. And that's a result of a mission that his father went on many, many years ago. So he's estranged from his dad. He assumed his dad died on the voyage yes, on yeah, Project yeah. Lima, I think it's Project called. Project Lima, that's right. Yeah. And so he gets called into the um, headquarters of Space Command. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And they say, well, we think your dad's alive and he's orbiting Neptune and we want you to send a message to him to get him to do something about these yeah because they're affecting life on earth and beyond to the point where we can't operate anything so obviously it's a bit of a shock he says he hadn't seen his dad since he was like 29 yeah i know for the rest so he's in his sort of early 50s or something mm-hmm. now and he's assumed that his dad's dead yeah and now he's on a mission to potentially save his dad yes planning to begin on with that mm-hmm. then yeah he sets off on a sort of it's, a, it's more of a, tra- a training mission to begin with, isn't it? Yeah, so he heads off to Mars with Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. Who is, is he a, he's a friend of his dad's? An old friend, yeah. yeah. And he has some information which he... Yeah, some bombshells. Been, yes. So first of all, they head to the moon. And they get sabotaged. Yes, they, there's, there's sort of space pirates or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought that was a really good idea for the moon, actually, having it as sort of a like a mining colony with... Desolate competing. wasteland, almost. Yeah, uh, absolutely, because... It, I, I, could, I could, that's a sort of future that I could completely see happening because yeah. it, would be, it would be such a difficult um, area you know even once humans have colonised it it would be such a difficult sort of space to apply the law it's going to be a hard to. place to police isn't it yeah, the, the moon exactly yeah. and, and it looks like so much of it is uninhabitable yeah yeah. So, so you can never fully conquer the whole thing yeah, yeah. And, and yeah just the idea of there being like these rogue elements yeah that's a uh, really good idea I think. Yeah. I, I think there's there's a film in that, I think. I wanted to see more of that, actually. Yeah. I, because I, it's only for a sort of 10-minute sequence. Or yeah, something. it's really, really short, isn't it? I, I felt it was a little bit unclear, actually, like why they were really after Roy McBride and, and co. Uh, but I guess that's just... It seems to be one of those places where it's like a hazard of what you're doing. You know, you know if you go outside and one of those space buggies expects yeah. interference. It should be said, I think, that it's, visually the film is very, very sort of striking and... You know. Yeah, I think it's incredible. I haven't seen anything quite like it for a The for cinematography a while. is, you know. Yeah. So after that, they then head on to Mars. I, I didn't really warm to anything on Mars that much, to be honest. I thought it was really claustrophobic and... Yeah, I suppose know, that's, that's probably probably what they were going for, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, it was basically all inside. Yeah. So uh, it, in terms of what you see on Mars, it's actually not that spectacular. That's probably the least my least favourite bit of the film. I liked it when he was put in the sort of... Uh, the the relaxation room. Oh yeah, and he yeah, had that. those images. That was very two thousand and one. I thought, yeah, you know, that sort of. Um, so his pulse was too high to be sent back to Earth. So he had to be in this sort of uh, relaxation room where there's just all these sort of images of flowers and butterflies <laughs> around him, <laughs> which I think would send my pulse through the roof. <laughs> yeah. But you know, each to their own. It's quite. I think for the first sort of half of the film, it's quite unclear where it's going I mm. think almost similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there's kind of it does meander a bit doesn't it and yeah. it's very kind of slow and quite uneventful almost mm. for a 
yeah. for a film that features space monkeys. <laughs> yeah, Not, we'll, we'll get to this. Yeah, yeah. it is quite um, slow at times. Yeah, Roy is such a sort of given the nature of his his job. Maybe he has to be quite a detached sort of uh, insular character. Think, you know, yeah. he doesn't give, give much away. Uh, slightly further down the line, he has taken off the mission to to contact his dad, isn't he? Yes, because he he goes sort of one level beyond what he was supposed to, and he delivers this kind of impassioned plea, plea for, yeah. yeah, for his father to see sense or journey back to Earth. That's one of the um, few times, really, when we see any emotion from him. Yeah, from it him. is. See, bland is the wrong word, I think, but it, it it is kind of devoid of something. The performance, like I, I don't feel like he says a lot, Roy McBride's, well, at all, really. Yeah, but. But he, he doesn't say very much that's not key to the plot, yeah. does he? It's, it's like if, if he had a thought, he probably wouldn't say it unless he was forced to. I found the um, the voiceover bits, they weren't so effective for me. Mm. It felt like a sort of a bad Terence Malick film, <laughs> you know, where he's sort of, it's yeah. quite pretentious the way he's, yeah. some of the stuff that he's saying over the top of it, you know, it's quite generic kind of, um, yeah, I can't think of yeah, an example. I, I, I feel that, yeah. Um, I didn't feel like that brought much to the to the film. But I do feel in some ways... So, so there's a sequence much later on where he's journeying from Mars to Neptune where I think there's not much he actually could do besides have a voiceover. Because he's not... He, he's not going to speak to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, so there is that, I suppose, Yeah. to factor in. Um, yeah, the only other route would have been sort of to have a sort of video diary thing yeah, like The Martian yes, or something. I suppose. Yeah. So it turns out that his father has sort of to cease a mutiny. He's actually killed some of the crew yeah, of well, Project all, Mut- all the crew. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's clear that the space command considers him to be a complete rogue. He's John Awol. Yes, yeah. And by the looks of things, they they feel that the only course of action is to blow him up. And Brad's there to then sort of the mission goes ahead without him. First of all, or is supposed to. Yes, he's supposed to be to um, remain on Mars after, yeah. after he's got there. But he sort of hijacks the. Is hijack the right word? It kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's not he really. Sneaks on. One, but... He sneaks onto the the ship. Yeah, he's he's snuck aboard somehow, isn't he? I I I did find that a little bit. I mean, there's bits of this film which are unbelievable. That was actually the bit that I found the most unbelievable. The fact that him breaking onto the yeah the, the ship as it yeah. was launching. Yeah, you know, come on, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> With seconds to spare as well. Yeah, it's always seconds to spare. Yeah, I I noticed that later on in the film as well when he's uh, flying through space and he he's trying to grab onto a a ladder. It's also the last rung of the ladder. That <laughs> he's gonna get, he's never gonna be the, the third the from bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I did like this film as a whole, but then it's, I suppose it's sort of opposite to it actually in that. It works a lot better as a whole than it did individually, I, I think, in some ways, whereas yeah. it worked kind of better compartmentalised. I think until you get to the ending, you can't really see the narrative arc of what's happened. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's a bit difficult to um, put your handle. I mean, it's not always totally clear what is going on. I don't think we ever totally cleared up exactly why these power surges are happening. It's something to do with the, the energy of the, the ship that his dad is I don't on. know how plausible the energy uh, I, surges I, are. I imagine it's not yeah. plausible at all, but, yeah. but that's another story. But it doesn't look like he's doing it maliciously. It's just a feature of the craft that he's on, from what I've yeah. picked up. Yeah. So it, it's just they just want to blow up the ship with him yeah. on it. Although, to be fair, he is a mass murderer as well. So that is, Yeah, there's always that. But I, I think towards the end of the film, it does very, very much become a it's a father son story essentially, isn't it? And you you get the sense that he's because he's so shut off because of the way his father was mm. previously. Were you 
surprised when his father did what he did? No, no. No, no. I mean, it, it seemed for a while as if he was going along, he was going to come home with, with Roy, but then I just felt it was... Had other plans, yeah, seriously. Yeah, No, I, yeah, I, I didn't I feel like that was always going to happen. I felt like he was too far gone yeah. to, to really do that. I would have liked the film to end with him going back, but I didn't want to actually see him going back. I, I was, wanted him to be a star, head I, back to Earth, and then for it, it felt a bit too neat at the end. Yes, I, that was almost exactly what I was going to say, actually. I, th- I think, for my two cents, the film would have ended with the explosion. Yeah. That I, I would not have given any hint of whether he was successful in getting back to Earth or mm. not. That felt like the, the most... For a film that was sort of, sort of like coolly detached throughout, it felt overly sentimental then at the end. Though. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't quite fit, does it? There's a little bit about his wife. Which and is really underdeveloped, I think, as yeah. well. Liv Tyler really isn't yeah, she's in it at all. She's in it about two scenes, yeah. two or three scenes, and it's probably about a minute each time. Uh, and they've said that they couldn't have a kid, not because they literally can't, but because that would be selfish on the kid, or at least that's how yeah. Roy feels. Probably because of his own experiences with his dad, I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably. But yeah, I felt the only reason she was there was for him to give him something to go home to. Yeah, it was sort of like at the end there was kind of a moral, wasn't there? Like it oh, just felt tacked on. At gonna, the end. Yeah, like he's gonna live life to the full now. Yeah. But then I wonder if someone who's that far gone, you know, someone who's that sort of existential, yeah. and everything, can can they really just go back immediately to but living le- life he, to the he full? He learned a lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He had to travel halfway across the yeah. galaxy, but then. Yeah. Well, well, this is the thing is what like I may have been a bit more sympathetic to it if he didn't get to and from Mars to Neptune in the space of uh, three months or something. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Voyager 2, which yeah. I think is the last craft that actually made that kind of Journey. mission, yeah. it took it 12 years to get to Neptune right. fr- from the Earth. We're much more advanced in this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah well, fair enough. But then, but then to get back, he has to use the explosion. So, yeah. you know, he, he would be an old man by the time he gets home. He'd be well, I think 60, I would have thought. The original Journey, I think, was something like 200 and something odd days, I think. One way. Oh, yeah. So maybe it would have been oh, sort of like an almost a year. Almost a year, okay. Yeah. But, but things are still but, snappier than... Yeah. He, I suppose he doesn't show many physical effects, does he, of his time in space. He's, he yeah. looks sort of well-groomed and uh, well-maintained Well, I suppose throughout. you've got a lot else to do. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he, he, food-wise, you, you know... He would have yeah, been... they, they all seem to have enough food. Like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how on Neptune his dad would have... Yeah. Survive. I mean, you know, maybe they have those kind of. Well, he has like a feeding yes. tube, doesn't he? Oh, right, yeah. But that, that's shown at one point, but, you know. It's... It can't be nice. Yeah. Um, there's a bit in the middle where they accept a distress call. They, they, they stop off in, in this, like, a biological research thing in space, and it is actually very sinister. And, and that was certainly, I was not expecting what happens there, but I did actually feel that. We're in dangerous territory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although it's not really linked in any way to the film. It, it seems an odd fit in that way. The, yeah, it's a bit like the pirates as well, I guess. They kind of, you know, they turn up and then they're kind of gone. Yeah, they, 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 they do. They serve a purpose, but it's almost like they're almost taking the film in another direction before it's suddenly to revert yeah. revert back. It's it's very well done. But 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 it would be like, you know, you're going on to a, like a strange craft and you just don't know what the hell is going on. I, I, I did like that. I, th- I found it very moving towards the end when, um, so the final sort of scene with his dad. I did think, yeah, I did think and that was quite moving. I thought it was kind of inevitable. It was the logical conclusion, yeah, yeah. I think. To the but I actually also film. thought for quite a lot of it that his dad was going to kill him as well. Yeah, it was either going to be sort of the two of them sort of hurtling towards the, 
doom. Yeah. It's obvious that there's not a lot of love lost between them. Yeah. He, his dad clearly doesn't care that much about him. Like even Well, he end. says, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, he didn't... literally says it. So I, I did wonder if perhaps he would just see his son as like a hindrance. Because there is actually a good opportunity for his dad to just carry on doing what he was doing. You know, if he, yeah. if he, if he got his son out of the picture, he could just... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Especially yeah. if he's sort of he's resigned to the fact that he's not never going to go home. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah, I wasn't quite expecting the ending, but then it did feel sort of appropriate what happened to the dads. Yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was slightly too sort of meandering at points. Mm. You know, I thought it could have been slightly shorter. But overall, I really, you know, the main thing I would say about this more than anything is it is it is a really stunning film to look at. It's sort of worth seeing just to you know yeah. see, see space done well. Yeah. I I don't think this is my favorite space movie what is your favorite space movie i'd probably say recently i I would say either gravity or the martian i think those two are yeah up there so i don't think it quite competes with those two but i think it's definitely worth seeing i think it's almost brilliant but not quite there yeah it's lacking a certain something isn't it i think roy mcbride he does have to be like a sort of like a solemn soul in a way but there are points where I would like him to have said more to have a bit more character as well yeah. just to help propel the thing along because it, it does feel a bit like he's a bit of an empty shell at times if you'd put Roy McBride in The Martian it would have been a dull film with yeah, him it, just it, on a exactly, yeah. his diary entries yeah. would not have been worth, worth watching yeah. yeah out of the two Brad Pitt films this week then which do you prefer I will, well, I, I do prefer overall, I prefer uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But then I might actually end up giving this film a better score. That's interesting. Yeah. What uh, What do you want to rate Ad Astra out of? I'd, I'd probably give it eight, actually. Eight what? Eight planets. Eight planets, that, that makes yeah, sense, yeah. isn't it? The eight, eight stars would have been... Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> One time the star <laughs> yeah. rating would actually... Yeah, very apt. Up, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'll give it eight, but a lot of that is also on the strength of like the technical side as well. Yeah. Uh, because I did, you, you know, to, to actually just watch them, you could watch it with the sound off and it would actually be quite... Yeah, um, it still works, isn't it? I yeah, think... Um, entertaining. I think yeah. I would revise my scores slightly and mm. I would give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, nine... And I would give Ad Astra 8.5 okay. stars. Right, so thank you very much for listening. That's the end of this week's podcast, which has summed up quite a bit of, of the time we've lost, I think. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it and hope to see you again at some point in the near future. Yeah. But, bye uh, for now. Bye for now.